God bless you. God bless you. It's Apostle Anthony Wilson. Happy Monday to you. And today on Love Thy Neighbor, we are going to dive into the biblical marks of Christian maturity. Over the last 15 to 20 years, walking with Christ, pastoring, counseling, uh, one-on-one families, uh, I have learned that there are some things that the Bible says should be signs of maturity in your life. And we're going to dive into this subject right after these messages. God bless you. I'll see you in a few. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. I am excited, excited to be broadcasting from, uh, believe it or not, I'm broadcasting from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I was down here for my son's football game. Um, Flight got canceled. And so um, we're going to do the broadcast from here in Minneapolis. And so on location. Wow. Pretty cool. Uh, I, I thank God for uh, those of you that are listening. Uh, we love you. We thank you so much. If you're in Minnesota, uh, please let me know that you're listening. Have people listening all across the state. God bless you from Jersey to California, um, even overseas. Uh, God is doing great things. Uh, today, we're going to get into a very uh, interesting topic, and I, I just really want to talk to you. I really want to talk to you this week. No guests or nothing. It's just me and you. And we're going to talk about the marks, the biblical marks of maturity. Because in this season, a lot of people don't know how to measure if I'm growing in the Lord. Now, come on. It's difficult to figure out, am I growing? Am I maturing? Uh, How do I know if I'm maturing? How do I know if I'm growing up? I mean, is it, is it, is it, you know, speaking in tongues? Is it, how often I go to church? Is it um, that I'm not cussing as much as I used to cuss? There's a lot of different measuring uh, sticks that people use, but the rubric that we have to use is the word of God. It's got to be the Bible. It's got to be in scripture that we find the things that show that we're maturing and your maturity has to be something that you intentionally are concerned about. Let me say that again. As a Christian, I have to be intentionally concerned about my growth in maturity. I I can't put that on anybody else. I can't put that on my pastor. I can't put that on my husband, my wife. I can't put that on my mentors at church. I, I can't put that on anybody. I have to be concerned about that. And I have to do the things that help me to grow. And so uh, so many people ask me, well, what does it look like to be mature? What does it look? How do I know if I'm growing? Some people have said that they're growing based upon their own rubric, based upon their own matrix, based upon their own uh, examining process. And and then you go to the word of God and you say, well, that doesn't line up because it's not my job to tell you that you're growing or not growing. My job as a pastor, as an apostle, as, as a minister of Christ is to take you to the word of God and then teach you how to hear the voice of God so that you can determine if you are doing the things that God wants you to do. Yes, that's my job. I know it seems like uh, my job is to measure you, but that's not my job. I don't, I don't measure you. 
Nobody else should measure you. The word of God measures you. We all look into the Bible. The Bible says that he that uh, that, that, that when you hear the word and you don't do the word, you're basically deceiving yourself. You're like a man who looks into the mirror. Right. And forgets what they look like. But the person that hears the word and does it, he'll be blessed in everything that he does. And so the measuring stick is the mirror of the word. And so we got to look into the word and say, uh, this is what growth is and this is what growth isn't. And so there's three categories that I have come to understand over the, 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 the 15 to 20 years that I've been walking with the Lord and doing ministry and counseling and pastoring and, and doing Bible studies and leading men's groups and youth groups, all kinds of things that I've done over these years. There are three main categories that I have found that you need to look at, that you need to look at. And inside of these categories, there's a bunch of things. And so I'm going to cover a bunch of those things. And so this may be a part one and a part two, but I'm going to try to go as far as I can uh, with the things uh, that mark biblical maturity. And so I'm going to give you the three things real quick. The, the first thing is that mature Christians embrace the challenge of being the church. Mature Christians embrace the challenge of being the church. Number two, mature Christians seek spiritual growth. They seek spiritual growth. And I'm going to define these things. I'm going to give you what that looks like. And thirdly, mature Christians are culturally and socially influencing others. They're culturally and socially influencing others. And I'm going to explain all those things. So number one, uh, mature Christians embrace the challenge of being the church. They embrace the challenge of being the church. And I'm going to tell you something that is going to knock your socks off. And every time I say this to people, they don't understand. They're like, what, what, why would that be a mark of maturity? The, 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 the most major, and I think it's the most primary and is the most prominent area that you can see growth, maturity is in the fact of when you are dealing with offense. Offense is the greatest hurdle that I have seen in the body of Christ. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. And it is one of the greatest challenges of being the church. And when I say being the church, I mean that the church is the body of believers. It's not the building. It's not the organ. It's not the pastor. It is everybody who is a part of that local church. And that local church is a part of the global church. And so you have local churches that are in communities. And those local churches in communities are the church. As well as they are part of the larger picture, which is the church. So in your local church, the church that you attend, the church that you have made covenant with, that you have gone into a covenant agreement to serve with them, to uh, partner with them, to be a part of them, to accomplish the mission, the vision and the passion uh, that they have, that God has placed in that particular group of people. That is the church. And so in that environment, you're going to have to deal with offense. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to do something that you don't like. 
And the mark of biblical Christian maturity is in how you deal with the offense. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verses one through five, that offenses will come. And woe to the one who offends these little ones because it's better if he had not even been born. But when someone offends you, you're supposed to tell them that they offended you and then forgive them. And if they offend you seven times in one day, you're supposed to tell them that they offended you, tell them what they did, and then forgive them seven times in one day. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, he says something very similar. If someone offends you, go to them. Tell them one-on-one -on -one what they did. If they listen, then you've won a brother. If they don't, then go get some other friends and come back and say, hey, I'm trying to reconcile with you. I'm trying to get you to understand what you did to me. If the person doesn't listen then, then you go before the whole church and you say, hey, me and brother so-and-so, I've been trying to reach him. He doesn't want to listen. He's hurt me. He's done this to me. I need a resolution here. If that person then doesn't want to hear the rest of the church, then he probably doesn't want to be at that church. He's probably going to leave. But the Bible says that we are to go through those steps and how we deal with that shows maturity or immaturity. Most people, when they're offended, they say, I'm gone. Or they keep themselves quiet and don't deal with it. But biblical mature Christians, they deal with offense at a different level. And that's just number one. Number two, under uh, the challenge of being the church is involvement through attendance. Involvement through attendance. If you are a part of this church, whatever church you go to, if you're a part of that church, you are to find a way to be involved. If you look at Romans chapter 12 and you look at verses uh, four all the way through uh, verse 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts and how we use those gifts to serve each other and how we're supposed to be hospitable to each other. We're supposed to care about each other. We're supposed to weep with those who weep. We're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. We're constantly praying for each other. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 verses uh, 20, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 tell us that we're supposed to consider one another, think about each other, to encourage each other uh, to do love and good works and that we're not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together as some people have. But as time goes on, we're supposed to gather more and more and more. We're supposed to be finding a place to serve. I don't care if you're just the greeter at the front door once a month. That's being involved. I don't care if you serve in the children's ministry. That's being involved. I don't care if your church, let's say you work on Sundays, but your church has Bible study on Tuesday or Wednesday, or maybe like our church, we have a, a morning coffee. And there's some people that get involved. They show their face. They get involved. They want to be a part of the community they have, they have been called to serve in. And this is being the church. This is being the church. This is coming together, being on the same page, understanding the mission, the vision, the passion of the house of God that you are a part of. You know, it, it would make no sense if a husband says, I'm married to my wife, but I never come home. And when I do come home, I better get all the benefits 
of being a husband, even though I don't come home a lot. And that's what a lot of people do. But there's a challenge in that because life happens, right? And sometimes you're you're, you're struggling through something, work happens and you change, but you have to be intentional about being involved through attending your church. They're doing outreaches. You should be doing outreaches with them because you're called to that same outreach. Sometimes I think people go to a church and they separate themselves from that church as if the church is the place, not the people. But if the church is the people, then whatever the church is supposed to be doing, you are a part of it because you're one of the people that God has placed there in the church. The Bible is clear. First Corinthians chapter 12, and I believe it's verse 18 says that God has placed every member in the body for his pleasure. That if you are there, God puts you there and you are an important part of what is supposed to be going on there. Sometimes there's things that are not happening because you're the one that it's supposed to happen through. There's some people like, oh, why doesn't our church have a media ministry? It's because the person who can do it is sitting right there in your seat (laughs) and you should be getting up doing it. Why doesn't our church have this or doesn't have that? Because you may be the person or the catalyst to get that done. Number three, investment of time and money. Yes, that's a little different from attendance. Guess what? In order for your church to feed the homeless, to take care, I mean, to feed the hungry, to take care of the homeless, to reach out to the people in the community, to help members that are a part of that church, everybody has to be investing. In Acts chapter four, uh, verses 32 through 35, uh, all the people were together on one accord, had one heart, one mind, and they did not consider any of the things that they had as their own. Now, I'm not telling you go sell your house and take the money to the church. What I'm telling you to do, or what I'm saying that you should be doing as a mature believer, because again, I can't tell you what to do, is that you should be invested in the place that you call your church. Whatever their mission is, you ought to be a part of the the people that are donating time and money to make sure it happens. Instead of sitting back wondering why it's not happening. Well, I wonder why that's not happening. Well, if you look, and this is something that I've told people before, God knows every member that belongs and that's supposed to be a part of a local church. And if every member does what God has placed in their heart to do, as far as time, talent, money, that church will have everything it needs to accomplish the goals that God has given it. Guaranteed. 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 I believe that. Every member, because the Bible is clear that every member matters. There's not a a part of the body that is insignificant, but every single member matters. You say, well, all all I can give is $5. That $5 may be the $5 that is needed to make sure that somebody doesn't go hungry tonight, that somebody doesn't sleep on the street tonight, that one of the members don't get put out of their homes tonight. It's important. Number four engagement in the mission, vision, and passion of the church. The Bible says again in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 32, that they had one heart, one mind, one soul. 
There is something about being engaged in the vision of the church. When you go to a church, you ought to be on board with the vision. If, if, if the vision is to do overseas mission, then you ought to be a part of that. You ought to be praying about that. You ought to be asking the Lord, what role do you play in that? Are you to go overseas? Are you to just pay for people to go to overseas? Are you to pray for people that are going overseas? If the mission of your church is to plant churches, then you ought to be praying into that. You ought to be asking the Lord, am I part of the next church plant? Am I supposed to be encouraging those that are going to go out and plant the next church and, and expand the vision? If, if it's to uh, uh, serve the community, then how do we serve the community? You ought to be praying. You ought to be giving your opinion about that. You ought to be, you ought to have some type of heart towards the things that the church that you are a part of is doing. And so your engagement in that, the Acts Church, man, they were all together on one accord. And that's why they accomplished so much. That's why the power of God moved so much. Number five, if you're going to show the marks of biblical maturity, you're going to have to learn how to persevere through your personal problems. Persevere through your personal problems. This is a big one because a lot of people, this is the area where they show a lot of immaturity is that when they go through something personally, the body of Christ suffers, their prayer life suffers, they don't read the Bible anymore, they turn inward. They're not continuing to persevere through their personal problems. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, he prayed to the Lord, the Bible said three times about a certain situation. We don't know what the situation was. We don't know what it was, but he said that the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. It's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. And so Paul's attitude became, then I will boast in my tribulation. I will accept these things that are happening to me so that the power of God rests on me. And so my infirmities, my problems, my issue, my pains, these things will become fuel for my fire to go harder for the Lord, not to pull back from the Lord. That's a sign of maturity. The Bible says, think it not strange in first, uh, in first Peter chapter four and verse 12, think it not strange, the fiery trials that come to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. I know we think that it's strange when we go through stuff. I'm going through some horrific problems. Even now, this past year has been a very difficult year, a very difficult year. But yet, I believe that God is with me. And if I believe that, then I will continue to move forward and be obedient to him. And I will find joy where there shouldn't be joy. I will have peace where there shouldn't be peace. I will have long suffering where there shouldn't be long suffering. I will have patience and self-control where it seemed like everything is out of control. I will have faith where it seems like it's hopeless. Because that's the mark of maturity. If you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, the people of God went through problems. We have a brand of Christianity that believes that we can wish away and pray away and think away 
and be positive away all of our problems. And so when we have problems, we don't know what to do. When we have problems, we don't know how to hang in there. When we have problems, we don't know how to keep moving forward and being obedient and faithful to God. But that is a sign as a mark of biblical maturity. Perseverance in your personal problems. Number six, progress, a progressive sanctification of sinful habits. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 that we look into a mirror and we are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. That this is a progressive transformation. You may not be, uh, you may not have overcome a lot of the things that you want to overcome as far as the sinful things that you do. But you should be progressively growing. Progressive. You ought to be moving day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, growing, growing stronger, growing wiser, learning how to deal with the devils that are coming after you. You ought to be uh, maturing to the place where the same sins don't keep getting you over and over again because you're learning how to find the way of escape, as the Bible has said, that he will find a way of escape for you so that you can bear the temptation. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, verse 13. Um, so growing in that area, growing in that area. People say, well, God has called you to perfection. No, God has called you to progress. Each each time you come back, you ought to be different. You ought to grow a little bit more because you're intentional about your growth. Finally, number seven, you're dedicated to discipling new Christians and new members. So the things that you are learning, the things that you are doing, you're dedicated to helping somebody else to do the same things. You want them to grow in their ability to handle offense. You want them to understand how important it is to be involved in your church. You you want them to know how important they are in their investment because you're investing. I'm investing too. Let's all give. Let's make sure that the things that that we're called to do, we all can do it. You're engaged in the, the mission, the vision, and the passion. And so you're teaching them how to be engaged in that mission, vision, and passion. You're 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 fighting through your personal problems. You're learning to overcome and they need that kind of help, too, because new people, new Christians, new believers, new members, they're going through stuff, too. And they need to see other people who are mature and how they handle the problems of life, because the problems of life are going to come. They need to know that you're overcoming the sins. The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, that we are to lay aside every way and the sin that so easily besets us so that we can run this race with patience that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Sometimes some people need to know that the, the, the pastor's imperfect, the elders are imperfect, that, 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 that the ministers are imperfect and that they're overcoming things too. And that's why they can overcome is because the people who are training them and helping them are overcoming. And they can show you that my progress has been made. First uh, Timothy chapter four and verse uh, 15 
He says, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all, that people can see you growing up right in front of them. They can see where you started and they can see where you are. Even if that means you have to give them your testimony and tell them, I I wasn't always like this. I tell people that all the time. I didn't drop out of heaven. I've gone through my own struggles just like you and I'm fighting and I'm maturing every day because it's intentional. And then tell them they need to help somebody else grow. These are the biblical marks of maturity. And this is just number one. Mature Christians embrace the challenge of being the church. These are the challenges of being the church. We're going to go into part two uh, next week because I I, I, I want to dig deeper into this. I want to talk to you more about this because this is important. This is so important that we grow according to the word of God. And I gave you scripture for each one that I gave you. And so what I need you to do, I need you to go and read these verses that I gave you. You might have to listen to this over and over again. You may have to go and replay it. And you may need to send me a message and ask me questions about this. Do that. Because the intention is for you to grow and mature and become everything that God has called you to be. So I'm going to go over them one more time and give you one through seven so that you know exactly what they were. Because as I was talking, I may not have pointed out each one. So number one, under uh, mature Christians embrace the challenge of being the church. The number one thing is dealing with offense. Number two is involvement through attendance. Number three, investment of time and money. Number four, engagement in the mission, vision, and passion of your church. Number five, perseverance through personal problems and pain. Number six, progressive sanctification of sinful habits. Progressive sanctification of sinful habits. And number seven, dedicated to discipling new Christians and new church members. Remember, mature Christians embrace the challenge or the challenges of being the church. These are the challenges of being the church. And so this is Mark number one. This is the number one category. We'll get into uh, the next couple of categories over the next couple of weeks. I may have a guest in between some of those, but I want to make sure you get all of these. And message me because these things are important. You may have questions about them. You may say, well, I didn't know that that was a part of this. You need to explain that to me. And I will because it's it's that important. It really is that important. This particular podcast is supposed to equip, empower, and encourage you to grow, mature in loving God, loving your neighbor, pursuing the mission, the vision, the passion of God in your life. That's the goal. That's what that's what we want. That's our desire. Each guest that comes on here, that's their desire. I want to thank our guests that have come on through the month of uh, October and the month of November. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to my viewers, my listeners. You guys are such a blessing to me. 
those that have been supporting this particular podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much because it is necessary. It is necessary. When you're full-time ministry, you have to find ways to support yourself. You have to find ways uh, to uh, make ends meet, you know, from odd jobs to uh, using your gifts and your talents to, uh, you know, the generosity of the saints. And so we are, we are so thankful for those that are supporting and those that are thinking about supporting. Uh, we pray that you would, that you would uh, ask the Lord, how much are you to give? Some of you want to give a one-time gift. Some of you want to um, support us monthly, partner with us. Partnering with us monthly gives us so much security that we can continue to do what we're doing. Some people say, well, no, I just want to give a one-time gift. That's awesome. We'll accept it because we're just trying to do the work of the Lord no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. That's our goal is to do the work of the kingdom of God. I want to thank you. I want to God bless you. I pray that these things sink in. I'm going to pray for you. Um, so that you can really hold on to this. And so, Father, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that those that are listening, no matter what platform they're listening on, whether it's Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Lord, bless them, encourage them, build them up to be the mature believers that you have called them to be. Bless them, God, that they may accomplish the goals that you have called them to, that they would grab a hold of your mission, your vision, and your passion for their life. God, I pray for a movement of God to sweep across this nation that believers would be stepping into the ministries that you've called them into, that they'd be stepping up in the churches that you've uh, placed them in. And that there be uh, just the, the, the power of God flowing through every single congregation. And if there's any false doctrine, God, fix that. If there's any misunderstanding, God, fix that. God, uh, build your church the way that you desire it. Make it a place where you can dwell there in the name of Jesus. I pray for that power to just be available to every believer, whether they're going to work today, whether they're um, with family today, uh, in their community today, in their school today, uh, in their workplace environment, God, I pray that they would become influencers, that they would bring the power of God to that place. And I thank you for it. <clears throat> and I praise you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. I pray that you would love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you till next time.